0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant.
1: This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Anita Marks, Chris Canty, and you. It has been... A long season. But it all comes down to this, Chris. Super Bowl Sunday, my friend. Super Bowl 54. Kansas City, the home team, the 49ers. Boy, uh, what a game. And I I think I say this each and every year. Like, oh, I can't wait for the the night. I can't wait for the Super Bowl. It's going to be But, like, really, this is one of those games. I asked you before the break. I said, what are you doing? You said, you're home with the honey. You're not hosting. You get to watch it. This is one of those games where... You really don't want a lot of people at the house because this is going to be a really good game. You want to watch every second of this matchup.
3: As much as I was looking forward to going to a Super Bowl party today, I'm even more excited about actually watching the matchup. Now the party ended up getting canceled, but it gives me an opportunity to lock in and actually pay attention to the X's and O's because I think we're in for a hell of a chess match between Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. Anita, it's been a long road to get the Super Bowl 54 I know that one of these teams, a lot of people expected to be here, the Kansas City Chiefs, who lost in overtime last year in championship weekend against the eventual New England Patriots who won the Super Bowl. But in looking at these two teams, I think everybody thought the Chiefs had a chance to get back uh, to to this stage and being able to compete for a championship. I don't think anybody saw the 49ers coming, a 12-loss team from a year ago, being able to have that bounce back this year and have the best record in the NFC. There's only been one team that's had 12 losses or more to come back the following season and win a championship, and that would be the 99 Rams, the greatest show on turf. It'll be interesting to see if Kyle Shanahan can pull off that element of history, but I love the storylines in this game. I love the, the the talent both on the field and on the sidelines with the coaches. I think this is going to be a great matchup.
2: So very interesting you said that uh, ESPN's football power index, the FPI, heading into the season in the preseason, the Chiefs had a 27 percent chance to make the Super Bowl, Chris. Which is pretty good. Which in the 49ers, 2.8, not even 3 percent chance of making the Super Bowl. So you mentioned what what a whirlwind, what a turnaround season it's been for the San Francisco 49ers. The ESPN FPI tells you that.
3: Yeah. I mean, listen, I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC and actually win it. Now, the team I had in the NFC was Green Bay. They fell a game short and they got obliterated by the 49ers in the conference championship. And the 49ers ran the ball to the tune of almost 300 yards. So it'll be interesting to see if the 49ers can have that level of productivity against the Chiefs. Cause I think they went for a buck 86 against the Vikings, which is a pretty stout defense. And then to be able to run roughshod over the Green Bay Packers defense, if they can continue to have that, that sustained running game and be able to move the sticks and being able to put together long drives, then I think that bodes well for them today.
2: And just to stick with the FPI really quick, uh, the Chiefs victory, uh, ESPN FPI is predicting a 65% victory, percent chance of victory for the Kansas City Chiefs in its simulations. Um, by an average of five points, its heaviest favorite since the FBI was predicted started predicting Super Bowl since 2009. How much
3: stock do you put in it?
2: Um, I, you know, listen, I, I'm up in Bristol. I'm up in Bristol, and it's very interesting. The brainiacs who run the FBI have kind of like their own wing up on the is it the second or third floor in Building Four. Um, and like you walk you feel you feel you are on the campus of uh, of MIT you know what i mean like like you get the, like it, it's just a bunch of brainiacs over there um so i i want to I, I think it's interesting their their research
3: are they better at being able to forecast outcomes than any other NFL analyst that Bristol has
2: no okay I, I, you know what but
3: I was just I was just curious. I'm always interested to see the different ways that people break down the games, right. and how people people dive into it and try to forecast. I'd say, the outcome. I'd, say
2: I'd say that they're 50 percent right, but here's okay. but here's the thing: like any any professional handicapper, if you if you finish and and, P, and this might surprise people, if you finish the season. And you're fifty eight, fifty 58 percent right. That's a great year for you. Yeah,
3: R.J. Bell calls it fifty five percent. Yeah, if you can beat the spread fifty five percent of if, the time, you're you're pretty damn good.
2: You're pretty good. I mean, like you know, if if you're if you're in the sixties, God, God willing, the seventies range, boy, um, you're making you're making some big time dough. So you
3: might have a player on the payroll. Yeah. <laughs> If you, do, if you got a seventy percent hit rate, you're, you're so cute.
2: All right, hey, listen, we, we've got we've got the next three hours to really dive into this game, and we and we will. Uh, but let's talk about what happened last night. Um, the NFL awards honors awards uh, were handed out at, uh, and, and of course, if anybody watched the big show, um, let's start with uh, let's start with hmm. All right, let's start with comeback player of the year. Ryan Tannehill won that for the no ten, for the ten, right no brainer there yeah. right no brainer I, now let me ask you now this is very interesting I was I was looking yesterday I was looking around and I, I want to call oh here we go so. When it comes to quarterbacks next year – and you and I spent a lot of time talking about Eli Manning and his quest to get into the Hall of Fame and that will happen in 2025. And we talked about how much more successful he's going to be if there are a number of other big names that are not going to be on that ballot for them to, to choose from. Mm-hmm. So, But after this week and all the interviews that took place down with uh, with, with all the players and everybody who was down in Miami – Here's a list of the quarterbacks that have question marks heading into next year. Chris, you ready? Okay, I'm listening. So, Tom Brady posted that cryptic photo of mm-hmm. him. No, I, by the way, I think he's walking out. If you look at the way that his knee is bending. <laughs> I know. I'm a geek. Sorry, not sorry. But if you look at the way that his knee is bending, uh-huh. and, unless he has the kneecaps of a flamingo, he's walking out. He's walking out. Uh-huh. Right? And folks who don't know, flamingo is one of the, the, the rarest birds whose kneecaps bend out as opposed to in. Look at you. OK. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Miami. A lot of flamingos okay. down there. So, um, So I have Tom Brady. So I think Tom Brady leaves New England. Now there's some speculation hmm. that he's going to go to the Colts. He's going to go to the Chargers, whatever the case may be, whatever. So Tom Brady, question mark there. Drew Brees, as you mentioned last week on the show, Chris, is contemplating retirement. Yes, Philip Rivers. It's evident that the Chargers now have moved on from Philip Rivers. He moved him and his 38 kids down to South Florida. Mm -hmm. Not sure. Of course, I'm kidding. He has nine. He might have 10 now. I think his wife just had another baby this year.
3: Yeah, Um, they got a whole bunch of kids.
2: Yeah, he's got a he's got a crew. That's he's uh, you think I have a pack. He's got a pack. Um, So there's some there's some question marks. Where will Rivers play? Will he retire as well? So there's a chance that Drew Brees and Philip Rivers could retire. And will not be playing next season, mm-hmm. which will not bode well for Eli Manning, by the way. But there's and I also... think
3: there's a better chance of both of them retiring than most people would think. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Now there's reports this week that uh, Sean Payton, head coach of the the Saints, wants to roll with Taysom Hill over Teddy Bridgewater as the starting quarterback for the Saints next year, and that's that's really the deciding factor for Drew Brees. Apparently, Sean Payton has told Drew Brees, "I want to give Taysom Hill." A, a lot more work in this offense if you come back it's going to be more like 50 50 60 40 for you which I think is the big reason why uh, as well Drew Brees is contemplating retirement or not so Teddy Bridgewater could be on the market somewhere Ryan Tannehill hold on, hold
3: on. what you said just doesn't it doesn't make any sense when you think about what it would cost in order to bring Drew Brees back right because the Saints wouldn't disrespect him so if it's a if it's a 60-40 or 50-50 split with the quarterback reps, whether it's Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater.
2: No, it's Taysom. It's, it's, let,
3: me, let, me, let me finish what I'm saying. Whether okay. it's Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, and Drew Brees, whoever is going to be the guy that's rotating with Drew Brees, then why would you pay him what it would cost in order to get him back? I mean, you're talking about, at a minimum, you know 25 26 27 million.
2: It's a great question.
3: Yeah, the the value wouldn't be there. So to me, if if Sean Payton has already made up in his mind that he wants to give one of those quarterbacks that amount of reps, then then for me it it seems like Mickey Loomis their general manager would make the decision that we're going to part company with Drew Brees. Now I'm sure they probably prefer that Drew Brees just retire so it doesn't become this ugly scene because there is an emotional attachment that Saints fans have with Drew Brees and how he resurrected that franchise. But but to me, it it would just seem like it would be a lot easier for the Saints to turn the page because you're in a situation where all three of the quarterbacks on your roster are impending free agents. I think that puts a lot of pressure on the organization, and and I think it's going to force Drew Brees to make a tough decision.
2: It's it's really going to be interesting to see what happens there. So, so I, so in Ryan Tannehill, you know, as speculation is that that the Tennessee Titans are going to tag him, but this let's do this because I had dinner in the city last night, and I sat next to I met a gentleman and his wife who are in town from Boston, and are pretty well connected to the Patriots. Just so happens. Isn't that what the great thing about? Isn't don't you love that about New York City? Everybody comes you're from out, New York. You're Everybody, out, you're out. You're sitting. You're sitting at the bar. You're having a great meal, great dinner. I was in Tribeca, and
3: fancy. You in Tribeca? Tribeca,
2: okay. You think fancy?
3: Wait, wait, were you I'd having like a meal? Said, were I'd you like... having a meal by yourself? No, no, no. no. Okay.
2: And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I, really, I actually. there's, there's who, who, you I having, enj- who you having dinner with Stop last it. night? I enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy having dinner by myself. I enjoy going to a restaurant and sitting at the bar and having dinner by myself. Cause hey, there's just, nothing wrong. There's nothing I wrong love, with that. I'm I just love, trying to. I love bartenders. I'm
3: just trying to get the tea. To Anita, to me,
2: to me, to me, the, be, to, to me, the best meal. The best meal and the best experience you have is when you sit. We remember that time we went golfing with your friend with with Jeremy. Yep. And after golf, we went to that fantastic restaurant over there by Alpine.
3: Yeah, the Sear House. Yep. And that we, was awesome. We, we were sat, watching and the game. We sat at the
2: bar. Yeah, that was and the, cool. And the bartender kept on letting me ring the uh the, the tequila bell.
3: Yeah, I remember that. What, what's the tequila? Vaguely.
2: What was it? Plaza Azul. Oh boy, that's good stuff. Oh boy, I was ringing that bell, wasn't I? Yeah, you were. Anyway. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so. um I, so, anyway.
3: So, you were at the bar so last night the ba- ringing the bell with uh, somebody else? No,
2: no, I wasn't ringing the bell. I was, I, last night was Saki. So, Saki? I, yeah. Ooh, okay. So, anyway, long story, longer, because this is a long story. Struck up conversation with a gentleman to the left of me from Boston, in town visiting, connections with the organization, and he shared a little tidbit of information with me that plays into my first prediction in where I said. I think Tom Brady's gonna go.
1: This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: All right, Chris, here's the nugget for you. Last night spoke to a gentleman, and again, take this, take this as a grain of salt. I just, I find this interesting. When word first broke that Tom Brady was potentially not going to return to New England, I went on ESPN.com and I, and I, I, I took a look around all the teams in the NFL, right and, and, okay. I, and I went through and okay, what, what teams a, what teams need a quarterback number one? what teams number two um, have a good defense and and could present uh, the opportunity to be active and attractive next year and really try to compete to get into the postseason
0: mm-hmm.
2: And what teams have a, a connection with Tom Brady? In, okay. re- in regard to a former player okay. that maybe Tom Brady has played with, boom, Tennessee Titans pop out to me. Yes, Vrabel, Brady, New England, uh, and and I envision the same kind of scenario that we saw take place with Peyton Manning. Right, Peyton Manning went to Denver, and John Elway was there. He came in, he had his playbook, and what did Denver say? Denver said, "Okay, Peyton, uh, you're going to be quarterback and coach. Just take over the offense." Implement your playbook. It's your it's your baby. We'll focus in on the defense. That's what happened in Denver. They won a Super Bowl. Granted, they won. A, I mean, listen. You know, we know that Peyton had some issues with his arm and his tricep, and they won a Super Bowl in sp- despite um, of his play. Yeah, but nonetheless, they won a Super Bowl. Sure. So I said Tennessee Titans. That's it. I even I went Chris. I even went online. To look and see if there was a prop bet out there. <laughs> of, of,
3: you wanted of, to get on that early. I wanted huh? to get on
2: it early, and then and then that kind of fell by the wayside. I made some calls, and everything I heard was no, 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 no. He's not leaving New England, and then no, 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 no. He's not going to Tennessee, and then Ryan Tannehill. Again, we were talking about he just won uh, Comeback Player of the Year, and there's some talk and speculation that the Tennessee Titans tag him this season. But this gentleman I sat next to yesterday, Giselle, has already put in uh, um, private school. For one of their kids in Tennessee,
3: very interesting. Now, now here's the thing, and I know you're not the only person out there on that limb saying that the Tennessee Titans is the landing spot for Who Tom else is Brady saying this that? I, haven't, I haven't heard. No, that. there were some other people around the industry at the time. I mean, this was a couple of months ago when okay. you were when you were you know banging the drum saying that Tom Brady could leave New England after the season and go join his former teammate in Tennessee, um, Mike Vrabel. But um And looking at the situation, typically when you're talking about a legend moving on from, you know, the team where he spent his entire career with, usually those organizations have a replacement that's waiting to take over. Like if you look at the 49ers when Joe Montana had to leave and go to the Kansas City Chiefs, they had Steve Young. The Green Bay Packers, when Brett Favre moved on, they had Aaron Rodgers. Peyton Manning... When the Colts decided to move on from him, they drafted Andrew Luck. So all of those organizations had viable options at the quarterback position to replace the legend. You don't have that situation in New England. They don't have a top draft pick. You know, this is not a situation where, okay, they're going to get one of the two or three best quarterbacks in this class. They're probably not going to be in position to do that. I mean, free agency, there are some intriguing options, but I don't think there's anybody that you would point to and say definitively that this guy is going to be our franchise quarterback for years to come. So, I mean, for for all of those reasons, I think there would be a little more motivation for the Patriots to work out a deal with Tom Brady to spend the rest of his career there as opposed to them allowing him to walk out of the door and trying to find a replacement.
2: See, I, I like Stidham. I was screaming at the top of the mountaintop uh, for Stidham coming out of the draft. And I think he was an absolute steal in the fourth round, by the way.
3: Well, I understand. He he, was, he might feel like he, he was a steal in the draft. But so far in his rookie year, whether it was preseason or the limited action he got during the regular season, I don't think Stidham has shown anything that would give Bill Belichick and the organization confidence that he's ready to take over in 2020.
2: Um, It will be interesting to see what happens. But I just got that little nugget of information yesterday. Again, uh, so here's the list of quarterbacks for you, Chris, who there's some big-time question marks. Obviously, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers. We just talked about them. Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, Dak. Cam, even though Cam, we're anticipating Dak to go back to Dallas, we're anticipating Cam to stay in Carolina, but still, nothing solidified yet. So well, I think the
3: organization said, the Panthers said that they were going to look to trade Cam Newton this offseason.
2: But Cam came out this week and said he's going back to, to, to North Carolina. So I, um, Andy Dalton and Derek Carr. So I, Listen, we could sit here and we could, we, we can assume and, and feel like we're 95, 99.9% sure where a number of these guys are going to be. But these are the guys that are in question right now. It's really, really interesting. I, so the landscape of the NFL when it comes to the quarterback position can be very, very intriguing next year.
3: I think it's going to be an exciting offseason for quarterbacks. And the, the beautiful part about it, Anita, we're not going to have to wait that long. I mean, you're talking about the beginning of the new league year being – uh, a little over a month away, so you'll have March, an op-
2: March 15th, March 14th? Yeah, I think it's the
3: 16th is when free agency kicks off. So, right. yeah, the Louie year usually happens like the 12th or 13th, something like that. But anyway, I mean, some of these decisions, we'll start to hear information come out about what teams are doing in terms of trying to solidify the quarterback position because some of these teams are going to have to turn the chapter on some of these guys. Like We're going to find out what's going to happen, whether the Bucks are going to let Jameis Winston go into free agency or they're going to try to retain him. Uh, you know, Marcus Mariotti undoubtedly will be going into free agency. What happens with Ryan Tannehill down in Tennessee? I mean, the whole Drew Brees saga that we just outlined. Like there, there are going to be a lot of moving parts and I think that we'll start to, we'll start to see some players switch teams, you know, here shortly when these organizations have the opportunity to start transactions.
2: So come back player of the year, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, defensive Rookie of the Year is Nick Bosa. No surprise there, right? Um, I thought it was interesting. Defensive Player of the Year Gilmore won for the Patriots. No surprise there. But I asked the question yesterday: Was there ever um, a, a player that won Defensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year? And it was LT uh, back in no surprise in eighty <laughs> yeah, one. and no I want to say, and I want to say, he's the only player mm-hmm. that uh, that that has done that before. Okay. So just to kind of give you an idea, Nick Bosa, by the way, did get votes for defensive. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that he could um do what, you know, could have achieved what LT did. But obviously, Gilmore won defensive player of the year. Uh, Bosa, defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Chandler
3: all, Jones had a case to be made for defensive player of the year, too. 19 all, sacks. Yeah. Hell of a year.
2: All Offensive player of the year. Kyler Murray. I have an issue with this Uh just because Talk I. Talk to I, me. I really felt that that Josh Jacobs, before he got injured, meant more for the Oakland Raiders, especially since they were winning football games. And towards the end of the season, A.J. Brown helping the Tennessee Titans get into the postseason. Granted, yes, the straw that stirred that drink was Derrick Henry, no denying that. But with A.J. Brown, I just I feel that A.J. Brown and Josh Jacobs were a lot more deserving than Kyler Murray. Were you surprised with this selection? No,
3: I wasn't surprised by it because Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is asked to do more with less than those other two guys. I mean, Josh Jacobs is running behind one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. And then you look at what A.J. Brown has done down in Tennessee. I mean, he has the benefit of being able to... You know, have the defense be manipulated, favorable matchups, favorable coverages because defenses are committing to stopping Derrick Henry in that Titans run game. So I just think that both of those guys had outstanding years. But, I mean, there's a case to be made for Kyler Murray because he did take over the reins for a dysfunctional franchise, a team that lost 13 games from a year ago, and then he tacked on two more wins to their total this year. So I just feel like with everything that was – that was put on this young man. He responded admirably because this team played some competitive football in a really tough division. I mean, the the team representing the NFC is in their division. Also, a playoff team in Seattle is in their division, and they found a way to be competitive by and large throughout the course of the season. So, I was I was impressed because I didn't know how this Kyler Murray experiment was going to work, and I don't think anybody did. Everybody just wanted to see what happened. What would what would the marriage between him and Cliff Kingsbury look like? And I. And I got to say, even though I don't like the process in which Arizona went through to come to the decision, you know, moving on from Steve Wilkes right. and, and doing all of that stuff. I mean, you have to say their experiment is is so far a success. So, yeah, I, I can understand why Kyler Murray, you know, got offensive rookie of the year. I don't have an issue with it.
2: OK. And last but not least, uh MVP. Lamar Jackson, no surprise there in regard to what he was able to do this season for the Baltimore Ravens. It's a shame they're not competing in the Super Bowl. I really think they should be. Only the
3: second unanimous MVP in NFL history. Last one was Tom Brady in 2010.
2: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But, but so deserving. So deserving. Yeah. And a coach of the year, John Harbaugh, uh, based on what the Ravens have been able to do. And, and you and I, we talk about this all the time. There's two type of philosophies when it comes to coaching. A coach who comes in and says, this is my system and I'm going to plug you in. And another coach who comes in and says, okay, let me take a look around and see, um, You know, what, who I have on my roster, what their skill sets are, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a system. I'm gonna create a game plan that's gonna accentuate the talent that I have on this roster. And that's exactly what the Ravens have done to the ump team. Um, they went above and beyond and really created this offense around Lamar Jackson, and it's brilliant.
3: It is brilliant, but you, you were talking about Harbs and his coaching philosophy. That's one that I believe in, Anita. You know, always looking at what your players do well and trying to put them in situations to do that and and try to keep them away from things that they don't do so well. I think that's, that, that's the way to go in terms of being able to have sustained success. Coaches that are strictly system coaches, it's just, to me, it's not a way where you can build a sustainable program, where you can be competitive, try to win your division, try to get into the playoffs year in and year out. I remember Bill Parcells, one of his philosophies was, Think players first, then plays. Like, it's all about your players and how they match up and how they can exploit the weaknesses of the team that you're going up against. I just, these teams that, these coaches that that can only coach in a certain system, I just, I I don't know. If I were building an organization, if I were starting a franchise, I wouldn't lean toward one of those guys. I just wouldn't. (laughs)
1: This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: You have the Waste Management Phoenix Open that is teeing off in just a few minutes. Um, actually, uh, like I want to say 20, 25 minutes. Um, on Wednesday, Chris, I told the folks nationally on Daily Wager, you could tune in every Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. on ESPN2, that Webb Simpson was going to win this tournament. He, okay. is, he is currently one shot back. He's fifteen under. Tony Finau, who I love, by the way. Okay. Love me some. Did you see him? He's wearing he was wearing a uh, uh, purple and yellow golf cleats.
3: Oh, that's awesome! On, uh, that on, is awesome. On, 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 honor honor on Kobe win, Bryant. On, to, I
2: honor Kobe Bryant. Yeah, Tony, nice, Tony Finau, a uh, basketball player, by the way. Is so, he really basketball player turned professional golfer? Okay. And now at the top of uh, the leaderboard, heading into Sunday. Um, he is 16 under. Webb Simpson is 15 under. Let me tell you something. Golf is the easiest sport to handicap because you look at a course, you know what game you need to have in your bag in order to attack the course and play well. In the statistics that are available to you on golfers, like who drives the ball the farthest, who drive, who's more who's more accurate, who's approach shot on the greens, who's the best putter on this type of grass mm-hmm. it's it, it's there's a plethora of information out there so i feel golf is the easiest sport to handicap by the way
3: interesting so if, i would think the opposite i would think it would be harder just because it's such a mental game
2: yes but these guys are so they're so locked in um you know unless you're like somebody like ricky fowler who got married and then his game went into the tank that's, wow
3: that's a whole nother are you blaming his wife i'm his game? just
2: maybe i'm just maybe i'm just a little wow. jealous maybe i'm just a little jealous you know i've got a huge crush on ricky happened. fowler so anyway. Okay. Um but no, in all seriousness, uh, Ricky Feller's wife is awesome. Uh so I didn't mean to take a dig. I'm just maybe I'm just a little jealous. But anyway, back to my point. Um Web Simpson is one shot back. Uh if you want to lay some coin on Web Simpson winning the tournament, you might have to lay some juice. Uh I want to say it's like minus one thirty, minus one fifty in some places, but I feel pretty confident that Web Simpson is gonna win this tournament. So just FYI. Uh his round, he shot a 64 yesterday. His second round, he shot a 63. His first round, he shot a 71. So, just the metrics for Webb Simpson just all line up for him to have a really good day at Scottsdale TPC. Mm-hmm. So, and again, he's just one shot back. Um, all right. Anyway, just thought I'd share that. Just nice trying try, try to trying to help the folks win some money today. I like it. Anita. Along, I
3: like your mentality.
2: Along with the Super Bowl, there we go. All right, let's go to Eddie in Rockland. Eddie, you're up.
1: Hey, Anita, Chris. Well, we made it to the final year, final game. You know, and this smells like uh, Seattle Broncos to me. It sounds smells like a thirty-seven to twenty-one beatdown of Kansas City. Uh, I don't want to see it that way, but that's what it feels like. I got the, the San Francisco defense at least giving up, uh, giving ten points. You know, turning the ball over, ten to fourteen points. And I just see it's, you know, if you look at the history of the uh, the Super Bowls, not too many times has the AFC ever beat down the NFC. Chris knows the NFC rules, and today they'll rule again.
3: We'll see about it, Eddie. I mean, I I think it's going to be a a great game. Um, The one thing I will say when you bring up that matchup between the Seahawks and the Broncos earlier this decade Peyton Manning wasn't a mobile quarterback. Everybody knew Peyton Manning was going to be in the pocket. So I do believe there's a different dynamic when trying to defend a player like Pat Mahomes. I think Pat Mahomes might be the best player in the NFL. Clearly, he's the best quarterback. Just his ability to be able to extend the down and then to be able to make every throw on the football field. Every receiver is a threat when Pat Mahomes extends the down just because he's so good at being able to throw the ball off platform. He doesn't have to set his feet. In order to have the arm strength to get the ball down there, in order to get it with that, that level of accuracy that you need in order to be successful. So I just, I look at Pat Mahomes as the, the the X factor in terms of trying to assess the matchup when you talk about explosive offenses going up against really strong defenses. So you look at the 49ers this year, their defenses struggled when they played against mobile quarterbacks. So I just, I think that that adds a level of intrigue to this to this game because I would typically be right along with Eddie if I knew that that 49ers defense was pacing a pocket passer, but because you never know where Pat Mahomes is going to be when he throws the football, I think it makes it that much tougher to defend. Eight
2: hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to Ira. Ira, you're up.
0: Hey, hey happy Super Bowl day. Same to you. Um, you know what? Nita, first of all, I I want to get to Brady in a second. But, Chris, I'm I'm totally on board with everything you just said. I do believe Mahomes is the best player in the league. And I just think 49 is predominantly a zone defensive team. I think Andy Reid will figure out a way to get these guys open. And I just think there's just too many weapons. I expect Hardman to have a big game in the return game. I think it'll be close. But I just think too much Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill. And I think the Chiefs will finally get that Super Bowl. And, Nita, you brought up Brady. I totally agree with you. Uh, I do not expect him back in New England, and I, I think Tennessee would be a perfect landing spot. But if you want to really look at it as a business point of view, this year they had Brady, okay They had a, a void of roster they had certain holes that they tried to cover it up. Brady was, he can't carry a team anymore, okay still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he can't carry a team. so <clears throat> excuse me, so how do you invest seventy million dollars? For two years into a forty-year-old quarterback, but but but
2: Ira, if he goes, if he goes to Tennessee, well, first of all, you're investing that money in somebody who has his type of leadership, his savvy, his experience. Yeah, but
0: you can't fill up the rest of the roster. You but, won't be able to afford anybody else. That's but, what I but, mean. But
2: here, but here's the thing: he's got Derrick Henry in the backfield. Can you imagine? I mean, listen,
0: no, no, Tennessee. No, I'm saying I I agree with you. I think he will go to Tennessee.
2: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: No, I'm just saying I'm just saying the Patriots, it doesn't make sense to invest 70 million dollars in him when they have so many other needs. And I think Andy Dalton is my leading candidate to be quarterbacking for the Patriots. And I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick turns Andy Dalton into a Rich Gannon type of career where, you know, he, he could maybe, you know, win a couple of things. But I think the AFC, is, and I'm not predicting the Jets to, to win a division title, but I don't think you could pencil in next year. Brady leaves, you cannot pencil in the path. And then AFC East will be wide open for anybody.
3: Here's the one thing I will say about that, Ira. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know if Tom Brady really wants to go play with another organization and the other part about this is the owner, Robert Kraft, came out a week ago and said that he wants Tom Brady to finish his career with the New England Patriots. So typically when the owner wants something, that's usually what he gets. And because the Patriots don't have a viable option to replace Tom Brady, I just I just think that it makes too much sense for both sides to come back together.
2: 800-919-3776. Let's go to t in Montreal. Wow. t welcome.
0: Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good morning. Hello? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, Can you hear me?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're great. Okay.
0: Perfect. Perfect.
1: Um, So, yeah, I didn't get the chance to call last week. So, very quickly, I just wanted to say RIP Kobe Bryant. Uh, And really, today, I got my money on the 49ers. I think it's going to be a close game. I predict the score is going to be somewhere in the low 30s or high 20s uh about 5 points uh a margin uh, of uh, winning but i got a question because there's a prop bet that caught my attention and i want your opinion um there's a bet out there that there will be no score in the last 2 minutes of the first half what do you guys think about that should i put money on that
2: that there will not be a score in the last minute
0: oh, no. of in the last 2 minutes of the first half
2: will there not be a score
3: Hmm.
2: Yes. I, I don't I'd stay away from that yeah, one. Yeah, I
3: don't like that one at I, all. No,
2: yeah. You don't like that one?
3: No, no I don't like that one.
2: Okay. No, but, oh, wow. but I am but I am I am all over I am all over the San Francisco 49ers in the first quarter. I like the San Francisco 49ers to score first. I like the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I like the 49ers to be up after the first quarter. Um okay. and I just from what we've seen so far in the postseason, Kansas City specifically their defense has just gotten off to a really slow start, Chris. And the Tennessee Titans and, and the Texans have gone up on the Kansas City Chiefs early. Uh, and of course, if you remember the Texans game a lot, 21 nothing they were up mm-hmm. against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I like the fur, I like a lot of the over of the 49ers in the first quarter.
3: Interesting. Now RJ Bell loves the, uh, the total under for the first half because of how these two teams play and, and seeing how Kansas City gets out to the slow starts. I think the, the over under total points in the first half was at like 27 and a half. And so I think RJ Bell was saying that because they've adjusted for the first quarter and, and the scoring being a little bit down, they didn't necessarily adjust for the, the overall total on the first half. So he said there is value on the total under for the first half.
2: Interesting. Yeah. All right. 800, 3776. Uh, Larry Kinney, we see you. Chris, we've, uh, we've, <laughs> we've been doing the show now for 48 minutes and we really haven't, uh, had a chance to really dive in to uh, To the matchup, so when we get back, Chris and I will do that. I've got some really interesting uh, nuggets from Warren Sharp. He put out a, a forty-five page like docket, like a
3: like a. He was supposed to send to me earlier this week, and he never sent it to me. So I got to get at Warren Sharp about that. Oh, but I, anyway,
2: I can forward it to you. Do you want? Yeah. Do you want it right now? Yeah, uh, yeah. You can
3: send it to me. Send okay. it all over yeah. to me
2: because yeah. yeah. because we've got how many hours until kickoff? That. You know, you could put your your wagers in.
3: No, I, you're absolutely right. Although I did uh, follow R.J. Bell's advice mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, right before the championship games, uh-huh. I went ahead and put in on the AFC to win the Super Bowl. Then, okay, yeah, so I already got took advantage of that.
2: So you're and you're you're feeling really confident about the Kansas City Chiefs.
3: Yeah, because I got it out of Pickham, and now they're what a two point favorite.
2: There you go. Yeah.
3: This is
1: New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on ninety eight point seven ESPN.
2: Chris, based on the, the conversations we have had so far today, it's evident I'm I'm on the Forty Nine ers side. You are on the Kansas City Chiefs side. Um, I will let you go first. Give me all the reasons why uh, you feel pretty confident that Kansas City and the Chiefs are going to win today.
3: Well, the 49ers defense is primarily a zone coverage scheme. They run zone 64% of the time, and Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback when facing zone. He's got the highest QBR and the most touchdowns thrown against zone coverage this season. So I just feel like this is a bad matchup for the 49ers from the standpoint of that defense relying on their front four to get pressure on the quarterback, knowing how mobile Pat Mahomes is, and knowing that he's a threat to get the ball to any of his receivers at any time, I just feel like there will be explosive plays in the passing game. Pat Mahomes is one of those guys that Andy Reid and Eric Bienemi trust to be able to handle the rush. That's why you'll see at times them put five guys out in the route and rely on a five man protection because they trust that Pat Mahomes will be able to manipulate the pocket, will be able to extend the down and find open receivers downfield. So I just, I just feel like the, There is no good answer for a quarterback that can run and a quarterback that has the arm talent that Pat Mahomes does. I mean, Anita, uh, Kyrie and I were talking a little bit before the show about the Michael Vick 30 for 30. And some people forget just how athletic Michael Vick was at the position. And from a physical talent standpoint, you know, I think Michael Vick, Aaron Rodgers, and Pat Mahomes are the most talented quarterbacks that we've seen in the NFL in the last quarter century. And I think that will be on display this afternoon when the Super Bowl kicks off. That's why I love the Kansas City Chiefs.
2: So I've got a stat for you. I shared with it I shared it on the show a little bit earlier. Uh big reason why I'm I'm leaning towards the San Francisco 49ers. Patrick Mahomes, in his two years as a starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, has tossed eighteen interceptions. Out of those 18, 17 of them come during – while he's facing a base defense that's only rushing four. Only one interception came in a defense that he's facing a blitz. And as we know, the San Francisco 49ers, they're number one in the league in pressure – I'm sorry. They're number two in the league in QB pressure. They're, they're towards the bottom of the barrel in regard to blitzing because they can get the type of- Fourth lowest
3: blitz percentage in the NFL. Exactly. So,
2: so they can get, they can get the type of pressure they need against a quarterback and then others dropping back in coverage. And so if you look at the stats for, for Patrick Mahomes and the interceptions that he's thrown are in, in those type of defenses. So I do anticipate Patrick Mahomes to have a turnover maybe two today based on this defense that he's going up against.
3: But the Kansas City offense hadn't turned the ball over in the playoffs yet. So I think that'll be that'll be interesting if the 49ers can can turn the ball over and steal some possessions for their offense. I mean, keeping Pat Mahomes off the field is probably the best defense for him. And so if your, your defense is able to get some takeaways and that, that offense is able to run the football and stay with that running game, then I think if you dominate time of possession, you, you probably got a better chance if you're San Francisco. I said all week long that San Francisco, in order to win this game, I think they have to keep the scoring in the 20s. If it goes over 30, then I would I would bet an amount of money that means something to me, that that means that Kansas City won this game.
2: Let's go to Larry in Staten Island. Larry, you're up. Welcome in. Good morning. Finally,
0: the big game. Uh, before my question, uh, San Francisco gave up a- Two hundred yards to one receiver this year. You know who it was? Julio Jones. He smoked them. Smoked them. Okay. Question for you: If Pat Mahomes gets pressured a lot, what adjustments will they make to nullify that defense? Their front four. Will they do? Will they be a number down lineman? Will they do jet sweeps or short passes?
2: Chris, I'll let you answer. What does what is, what is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs need to do to try to uh, avoid the uh, the pressure that's that's coming with the San Francisco 49ers?
3: Well, I don't think Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are going to change anything about their offense. I think that they're going to have opportunities to get the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hands quickly. I think they'll do a lot of misdirection um, to try to take the defensive line out of the game early. Jet sweeps is absolutely a part of the game plan, but that's what the Chiefs always do. Um, there'll be some smokes where Pat Mahomes just raises up and throws the ball out to a receiver, one-on-one and off coverage. Um But I think there will be a lot of vertical passing from the Chiefs in this game. I mean, the, the 49ers are primarily a cover three team when they're in zone. So, I mean, that's a three deep look. They're going to put pressure on those guys in deep zones by running vertical routes into those zones. And so I just don't think that there are any good answers when you talk about guys at the receiver position, that are running sub-4-4 and a quarterback that can throw the ball 90 yards in the air down the field. So I just I just think this is going to be a tough matchup for the 49ers. And again, I'm not saying that the defensive line can't put their imprint on it because I do believe that if the 49ers win, it'll be because their defensive line hits Pat Mahomes early and often. But for a group that doesn't blitz... You're talking about four down linemen having to account for five rush lanes, so rush lane integrity is going to be important. I don't know how good at keeping rush lane integrity these 49ers defense is against mobile quarterbacks because we've seen them struggle against it the entire year. 809193776
2: uh we come back. I do want to share with you uh, the uh, the players who were selected to get into uh, Canton this coming NFL season 2020. <laughs>
1: This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Of
2: course, kickoff is around 6.30. And of course, we know the game won't end until 1 a.m.
3: <laughs> it'll be it'll be a marathon tonight. Yes, it will. Because you got a 30-minute halftime, right? The extended halftime sure because people, you got I, the performances.
2: And I'm sure people want it to be longer than 30 minutes considering it's Jlo and Shakira. Oh, yeah. Right?
3: Yeah, I know There's some guys out there hoping for another wardrobe malfunction. I don't, oh,
2: think, I don't think that's going to be go the there, case, but... I don't know. Yeah. Don't be surprised.
3: I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm just saying I know there are probably some people. I'm sure there's several. That are looking forward to that.
2: All right. So yesterday, Saturday, around 7 a.m., 48 media members uh, get together in Miami or whatever Super Bowl host city, and they lock themselves in a room for quite a few hours, and they decide who's getting into Canton uh, that year. And so this is who's been selected. Troy Palamalu, much deserving. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um, Broncos safety Steve Atwater. Yep. Right. Uh, wide receiver Isaac Bruce. Yes. Seattle Seahawks guard Steve Hutchinson. Hmm. Former running back for the Colts Edrin James from mm-hmm. the U. Baby. Uh, this is uh, these are the players that that were selected. You know, very interesting. I was I was watching. I think
3: all of them were deserving candidates. Okay. All five of those guys.
2: So you know. Obviously, this week a lot of people doing interviews down there in Miami for the Super Bowl, Chris. And the 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 Hall of Fame came up when when talking about Eli Manning. And I forgot who who I don't know if it was it was Michael Irving. or – There was somebody who was talking about you know it's Dion, Deion Sanders. Dion. You know where I'm going with? this. I know where you're going. It was Deion. and Deion Sanders said, "Can't the Hall of Fame is supposed to be for not just good players or great players? The Hall of Fame is supposed to be for exceptional players." And when you look around now and you look at the players that are getting in, can you honestly say that Isaac Bruce was exceptional? I think we could sit here. I think we could say Isaac Bruce was great. But can you really honestly say that Isaac Bruce was exceptional? And and that was the comment in regards to Eli Manning. Can we sit here? We could say that that Eli Whoa. Manning was.
3: <laughs> Let's stop on the Isaac Bruce part because I think that's worthy of discussion. Isaac Bruce absolutely is a Hall of Famer. Top five in yards. I think he's 13th in total receptions. Super Bowl champion, and was a part of one of the most explosive offenses the NFL had ever seen in the greatest show on turf. Isaac Bruce belongs in the Hall of Fame.
2: I'm not saying that he doesn't belong, but that's not that's not my point. My point is, and in, in what Dion was saying was, it's one thing to be great. It's another to be, ex- like, Jim Brown to me is exceptional. Do you know what I mean? Like, Joe Montana is exceptional. I guess my question to you is, should we have to appoint five people five players into the hall what if what if there's not five that are worthy of being exceptional to get in why are we forced to place five in
3: well that, that that part of it i will i will i'll go there with you i'll agree with you on that because you could probably argue that there aren't five worthy candidates every single year Um, But I don't think that applies to the 2020 class, because when you run down the list, I mean, all of these guys rightfully belong in Canton. Like they deserve to put gold jackets on because those guys were were impact players in terms of changing the way that the game was played. So I look at like those guys putting their imprint on the game. Steve Atwater, one of the the best enforcers at the safety position that the game has ever seen. Steve Hutchinson, a do everything guard, not just a road grader in the run game, but a guy that could be a dancing bear in pass protection, paved the way for Adrian Peterson and those dominant Minnesota Vikings rushing attacks. Um, you know, Troy Palomalu, the ultimate chess piece. You can move him anywhere on the defense and and he's a nightmare for opposing offenses to have to game plan around. I mean Isaac Bruce we just talked about Edron James and what he did with that Indianapolis Colts team when everybody thought that Bill Polian made the wrong decision in drafting him before Ricky Williams and all Edge did was going on to have arguably the f- best first two years of any running back in NFL history. So I just I just. I, I don't know. I, I look at all of these guys from this class, and I think that this the Hall of Fame committee got it right. All of these guys belong in Canton.
2: I'm, again, Chris, I'm not saying that they don't. I, I'm just I'm, I'm commenting on I, I, I'm commenting on what Dion Sanders said.
3: I'm agree. I just said I, I agree with you that every single year you don't necessarily have to put five in if there aren't five worthy candidates. That's great. But I don't think that logic applies to this year's class. That's all I'm saying.
2: So you're saying that all five of these guys are exceptional at what they did in their careers? Yes. You're, you would use the word exceptional to I would all use the word exceptional. Okay. Let's go to Sal in Dutchess. Sal, you're up. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm listening to
0: you guys all week, and both of you have got good points. I don't know if you remember last week, Anita, I asked you for the odds that I think uh, the 49ers are going to... Lose by more than 10 points. You gave me, the, you know, the odds. Now, nobody's talking about field position. I think Kansas City, w- including Hill, has three of the best, re- you know, punt returners that are, go- you know, going. And I think field position is going to be a lot to the game. And nobody's talking about field position. All they got to do is get, you know, 50-yard line, boom, boom. And Kansas City's in. That's why I think there's going to be a uh, butt-kicking.
3: I hear you, Sal. Listen, I got the, I got the Chiefs winning by over a touchdown. So, I mean, I, I, mean, we'll, we'll get into our predictions a little bit later in the show, but I just, I don't like the matchup for the 49ers, even though I feel like their defense is equipped to give Kansas City problems. I mean, I was, this, this Kansas City Chiefs led offense. I mean, the, the Pat Mahomes led offense for the Kansas City Chiefs is a very unique offense. And over the course of the last two years, If you look at all their opponents, I would probably say that the 49ers, personnel-wise, are the most equipped to try to slow them down. But again, just based on the scheme and how they go about their business, how they execute, I just feel like it's a bad matchup for them going up against the Chiefs. I really do. Pat Mahomes is a mobile quarterback and his 49ers defense struggles against mobile quarterbacks. They've given up the third most rushing yards of any defense against quarterbacks. So I just, I look at it from a standpoint of if Pat Mahomes is able to elude the rush and extend the down it could spell problems for those defensive backs from the 49ers.
2: All right, so let us dive in to uh, the information that uh, that was sent to us from well to me and I, I will forward it to you from Warren Sharp. Uh, and here's a few nuggets that I walked away with and in, in the first few I'm going to um, I'm going to tee up for you that favors your prediction with the Kansas City Chiefs winning, okay? Um would you rather face a rusted 49ers pass rush in the third and fourth quarter, or would you rather tire them out in the first half and pass on a weary pass rush late in the game? Now, very interesting. Uh, the stats that show is that the 49ers, if you continue to pass on them, don't, just be, just because you don't have as much success against them in the past doesn't mean don't stop trying to pass against them. Dropbacks one through 11 their sack rate is a little over 10%. Dropbacks 12 through 22, their sack rate drops down to nine. Dropbacks 23 through 34, drops down to eight and dropbacks. When you get in the dropbacks where you're, this is your 35th, if not more drop back for Patrick Mahomes against the, 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 the 49ers, their sack rate, Chris drops down to 3%. The 49ers did not get one sack in those 43 dropbacks so far this postseason. Um, and so if also, you're a
3: volume-passing team, you can wear them down. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's the one thing. When when pass rushers empty the tank, I mean, it, it, it's not like they can get some rest and then come back and charge up and be ready to go. If you tire them out early, that's going to be a problem for you late in the game, uh being able to try to get that pass rush heated back up to slow that that Chiefs attack down. One of the things to watch for in this game is Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy going no huddle early on in the game to not allow those defensive linemen to substitute for the 49ers because they usually have eight guys up. I think in some games they've actually had nine defensive linemen active. So I I just think that they rely on that rotation because they're not going to blitz to get pressure. It's going to be their front four. So if you can keep that 49ers defensive line from being able to rotate by going no huddle, I think that gives you a decided advantage against that defense.
2: Here's another one for you. Again, benefiting. If you're, if you're folks out there, you're on the side of the coin that Chris is with the Kansas City Chiefs. You'll like to hear this. Of the 12 defenses when facing play action during the playoffs, the 49ers ranked dead last in success rate at 71% in the postseason. Uh, they also ranked second worst in play action. As offense recorded 31% more success passing with play action, 71% than without 40%. So with play action, teams have a 78 success rate, 7 yards per attempt, a 96 QB rating. Without play action, 20% success rate, 2.5 yards per attempt, and a 22% uh, QB rating. So just FYI, so uh, obviously these stats, and we have them, we're assuming that the Kansas City Chiefs, who's probably analytics department, is way beyond anything that uh, we have here on 98.70 SPN. Expect a lot of play action from Patrick Mahomes today, Chris.
3: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. A little conventional wisdom would suggest that if you're not successful running a ball that you can't. You know, rely on play action to manipulate the defense, but the one thing that, that that we've seen is that that's not always the case. And sometimes you're just using the play fake to get one guy out of position in order to create a window for your quarterback. And I think that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy know how to do that as well as anyone in the NFL. So there will be opportunities for Pat Mahomes to to hit some receivers in some wide open spaces. Keep in mind, both of these offenses. Their receivers are at the top of the NFL in average yards after catch. Both of them are catch and run outfits. I think the Chiefs are right at 5.9 yards after catch, and the 49ers are second at 5.4 yards after catch. So they're going to be catch and run opportunities for both receiving cores. The question is, how well will those defenses be able to tackle, getting those guys down and limiting those those explosive plays? If you can avoid those missed tackles, you can kind of limit these teams and put them behind the chain. So I think that has to be the strategy for not only the 49ers defense, but also the Kansas City Chiefs defense.
2: All right, here's another one for you, leaning towards the Kansas City Chiefs uh being the victors today or later on this evening the 49ers run approximately 70% zone coverage in the first half of games and 75% zone coverage during the course of the entire game the fourth most in the in the in the NFL the league average is 60% zone in the first half and the full game um, so with that being said, Patrick Mahomes dominates cover three and four on early downs. Cover three, he's got a 62% success rate with a 107 QB rating. Cover four, he's got a 69% success rate with a 105 QB rating and zero sacks. So while the 49ers have a really strong defense, Mahomes has done well against the zone coverage that they tend to play most on early downs. So what do you expect there for uh, for for Patrick Mahomes? And 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 more importantly, so if both teams understand these stats, if you're the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, how do you counter that? Knowing that you're going up against the, a quarterback who is probably one of the best against zone coverage.
3: Well, I mean, I think the way that that you counter it is you try to mix it up a little bit. You try to disguise pre-snap. You don't let him know what coverage that you're sitting in. I think if you if you force him as the ball is snapped, as the down is going on, to try to analyze what's going on, I think you have a better chance. If he's able to make a determination pre-snap based on the look you're showing him, you got no shot. So I think disguise is going to be a huge part of this. Now, I've heard from a little birdie that Rob Salah is going to use a little bit more dime package as opposed to nickel package and put an extra defensive back out there for his uh his uh his defenses in longer downs and distances, so that'll be interesting. Trying to add a guy that has better coverage skills, a little more speed, as opposed to having just Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner as your linebackers. Only having one of those guys on the field and putting another defensive back on the field, I think that would be an interesting adjustment to look for to see if he goes to that in order to limit some of, well, not uh, not not limit, but actually give him more more variety in terms of the different coverages that he can run against that Kansas city chiefs offense.
2: And here's the last one for you in regard to uh, a stat that benefits the Kansas city chiefs, the 49ers at a 71 red zone, 71% red zone TD rate, which ranks 25th in the NFL. Their last three games, a whopping 75% of opponent drives to reach the red zone have scored touchdowns. Chris, um, uh, and, and and here's how the breakup is. The 49ers are weak against wide receivers aligned in the slot or wide out. Wide receivers in the slot, 63% success rate with seven touchdowns. Wide receivers outside, 62% success with two touchdowns. In regard to a prop bet, this screams to me, Sammy Watkins scores a touchdown. You could get that at plus 250 if they get in the red zone, which I, I do believe they will get in the red zone. But what you're talking about, the Super Bowl is a game with the number one passing offense from 11 personnel against the defense. And we know how great the the, the 49ers defense is. But in the red zone against 11 personnel, they're the worst defense. So um, – you know, obviously, Kansas City Chiefs get in the in the red zone, expect a touchdown. The big key for the San Francisco 49ers is to keep them out of the red zone.
3: And I think it's interesting you talk about the amount of yards that 49ers defense allows from the slot receiver. One of Kansas City's favorite formations is speed trips. So they get into three by one, and then they'll put Tyreek Hill at the number three receiver spot and then they'll run him on vertical routes. So, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers try to defend that because Tyreek Hill, when he's getting up on a safety or a linebacker that's got to carry him in coverage because he's at that number three receiving spot, that is a tough ask for any of those guys. So I just, I think it'll be interesting to see Andy Reid go back and forth with, with uh, Rob Salah, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers because Andy Reid is going to scheme up some favorable matchups. It's it's how the 49ers try to adjust on the fly within the structure of what they do defensively.
2: Uh, by the way, uh, the groundhog did not see his shadow, which means that we'll have an early spring. Celebrate good times, Come on. Oh, yeah. You know what that means? My golf game. Your golf, game golf games started a little bit earlier. My golf game an early start in April, baby.
3: It's been a mild winter so far, though, hasn't it
2: yes. Oh, Yes, yeah. God it's bless. It's been,
3: been a mild winter. God so. bless.
2: So breaking news here on 98.7 ESPN. The groundhog did not see a shadow. It's going to be an early spring.
1: This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: All right, it is time for Can or Canty. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Um, let's go uh let's go Patrick Mahomes. Over under three hundred and two and a half passing yards, Chris, can or can't he?
3: Over under. How many
2: now? Three hundred and two and a half.
3: Three hundred and two and a half. Woo. Yep. That's a lot, but I think Pat Mahomes is gonna win Super Bowl MVP, so I'm gonna go with over Anita. He goes over it.
2: Okay, that's fair. Uh I'm going under. By the way, I just, uh, I'm just i just a really big believer in this uh, 49ers defense. Here is an over that I do like for Mahomes. Over 33 and a half rushing yards. I'm on the over there. Are you on the over or under for Patrick Mahomes?
3: I'm on an over too, and I'm right on that train. 49ers defense doesn't do well against mobile quarterbacks. I told you earlier in the show, they give up the third most rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks on the season. So we know Pat Mahomes has the ability to be able to use his legs to get out of trouble. I envision him having to do that because that 49ers defensive line is going to be chasing them all day long.
2: All right. Uh, let's talk about the tight ends. You know, this is the first time in NFL history where you've got two of the best tight ends facing off against each other in a Super Bowl. It's, it's really remarkable. First time
3: two all pro tight ends are facing off against each other, right? Yep. yep. And,
2: and, and never in the history of the NFL has a, a tight end won, uh, MVP. Okay. Like I said, I, I'm putting some money on Kittle. I think Kittle has a big game tonight. George Kittle over under. With that being said, you know where I am on this one, but George Kittle over, under 76.5 receiving yards.
3: I'm going to say under. I think George Kittle will have a huge impact on this game, but I think it'll be him as a blocker being able to capture the edge on that Kansas City Chiefs defense for that rushing attack from the 49ers. George Kittle is one of the best in-line blocking tight ends in the National Football League. Um, he's able to not only dominate linebackers and safeties, but also down linemen. So I, I like George Kittle as a, a huge factor in this game. If he's able to get that edge on that outside zone, that's a huge advantage for the 49ers.
2: Um, and Travis Kelsey, his over under is 73.5. Over under on Travis Kelsey.
3: I am, I'm gonna go over Anita just because I do think that Andy Reid will try to isolate Travis Kelsey a lot, have him as the receiver backside on some of those three by one formations and and if Travis Kelsey has the opportunity to be one-on-one whether it's a safety whether it's a linebacker it's a mismatch either way you play it so I like Travis Kelsey having a big day receiving
2: all right let's talk about the running backs uh Darian Williams I'm sorry Damian Williams against uh, this uh, 49ers defense. Now, here's here's a, a prop bet that I really like. I'm on the under with 3.5 receptions, and I'm on the under with 27.5 receiving yards. The 49ers are the best defense against receiving running backs in the NFL. So I really love that prop bet. Are you over, under? How much do you think Damien Williams is going to be utilizing the passing attack for Kansas City today?
3: Well, I, I think that he, he's going to be a threat. They're going to make sure that, you know, he has... What Andy Reid tries to do is flood zones when he tries to attack them, and Damian Williams has been a huge part of that out of the backfield. So I do think that there he will be out in the route. Now, whether or not he gets targeted frequently, I guess it just depends on the look that the 49ers defense shows him. But, I mean, Damian Williams could go over on just one of those catches because they do use him in the vertical passing game. So I would probably lean on the under with overall receptions. It's under three and a half, right? I yeah. would go with under on the receptions. I would probably go over on the yards because the yards are at 27 and a half. Yes. Yeah, so I'll probably go over on the yards.
2: Now, for the running backs for the San Francisco 49ers, this is, it scares me a little bit. I might stay away from this, especially if Tevin Coleman is active, which a lot of people are expecting him to be. Mostert has been sensational. When you hear Kyle Shanahan talk about him, um, it's glowing, It's glowing review. But if you have Mostert, if you have Coleman active, you've got Jeff Wilson, You've got Brita. You've got a plethora of talent back there. Is is Kyle Shanahan going to go with the hot hand, or is he going to go with you know uh, tapping into all that he has in his arsenal? So I'm staying away from anything Mostert. Do you think Mostert scores a touchdown? Any time touchdown for Mostert, minus 140. Can or can't he?
3: I think he can. I think Mostert gets into the end zone. Um, San Francisco has shown um, that they're going to run the ball. They're going to be committed to that, and Mostert has been a big part of that, especially in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think Mostert gets in the end zone today.
2: Interesting. Uh, Wide receivers, let's dive into them. There's one, and this is my favorite, favorite bet. I'm going to be talking about this all over Daily Wager today that you can tune in on ESPN2 starting at noon. I love Kendrick Bourne, and I've been talking about him a lot with us. Kendrick Bourne, the number 3 wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. He plays out of the slot a lot. Uh, when you hear Kyle Shanahan talk about him, he always says the stage is never too big. Dude's got uh, 37 receptions and out of those 37, Chris, six of them are touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So Kyle goes to him in the red zone. Kyle goes to them when they need to score a touchdown. Kyle goes to them also when they need to move the chains on third down. So – Here's my favorite. Over under two receptions for Kendrick Bourne. Over under 22.5 receiving yards. Does he score a touchdown plus 270? Does he score the first touchdown? Is it plus 900? Does he score a touchdown in the 49ers' win? It's plus 425. I'm on all of that for Kendrick Bourne. But your thoughts, is is there one out there knowing that he plays the slot and that is one of the most favorable matchups against the KC defense secondary what are you anticipating for him today?
3: I think Kendrick Bourne will have opportunities in the passing game. You mentioned how, how much Jimmy Garoppolo trusts him on the regular season. He had 30 catches and of that 23 went for first downs and five were touchdowns. So, I mean, you, you see that he's, you know, when he catches the ball, it's at important moments in the game. So I, I, I absolutely see Kendrick Bourne having a huge day, which is why I'm on board with you on the over on those totals for, for him.
2: All right. Uh, a lot of people expecting a big day from Tyreek Hill. His stat over under 74 and a half receiving yards. Where are you? Over. You're expecting, you're expecting. Who,
3: who Speed you- kills when you're playing against a zone defense. Okay. And, and, and the Kansas City Chiefs have shown that they are not afraid to throw the ball vertically in the passing game. And Pat Mahomes is a good, is, is as good as any quarterback against zone defenses. So yeah, I think Tyreek Hill has a big day. And he's going to move around a lot too, Anita. It's not just that he's going to be lined up. As the X or the number one receiver outside of the numbers, they will put him at the slot and they will put him inside the four, uh, uh, inside the numbers. Um, so I just think this is a situation where they're going to have to find Tyreek Hill because Andy Reid is going to try to scheme up opportunities for him to be one on one.
2: Uh, this is the last one for you and that is Jimmy Garoppolo over under 241 and a half passing yards. How much do you think this 49ers defense, I mean, offense, is going to have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo passing the ball today?
3: Well, I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw the ball and and get over 240 yards, you think that the San Francisco 49ers are probably going to lose that game, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that might might be a bad one for me to go over with as well. I might go over on that as well because I think the Chiefs are going to win.
2: Okay, yeah. Um and here's some, like, not can or can'ty, but some, kind of some fun ones for you. Mahomes, like I said, two years as the starting quarterback, 18 interceptions, 17 in base front. I do believe that the 49ers do get an interception today. Oh. How about Richard Sherman interception, specifically pinpointing who gets it at plus 475, can or can'ty?
3: Ooh, Richard Sherman getting an interception. Plus I mean,
2: 475.
3: W- wouldn't that be appropriate? I I mean, nobody talks more trash than Richard Sherman, and he talked about everybody doubting the 49ers all season long. If he gets an interception and this team wins this football game, we won't hear the end of it from Richard Sherman. No. I'm going to say no, he doesn't get an interception, but uh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting one right there.
2: Here's another one for you. Kansas City, I believe that they're going to get the first penalty. I also think that they're going to get the most penalties. Why? They're wearing the red jerseys. So they have a selection. They had the choice of being the home team that they got to choose what jerseys they wanted to wear. They would just chose the red jerseys. It's it's a statistical fact that red jerseys, when you wear the red jersey, you get more, you're penalized more. It's kind of like, do you remember when you wanted that Corvette and your mom told you, you can get the Corvette, but don't get a red one because you're gonna get a lot of tickets, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like that same analogy, that okay. same philosophy. Mm-hmm. The 49ers, they're wearing white jerseys with gold pants. The Kansas City Chiefs are wearing their red jerseys. So I'm going more that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to get penalized first and they're going to have the most penalties.
3: That is interesting. I did not know that tidbit about the jersey Mm -hmm. color. The one thing I will say is Bill Vinovich is going to be the referee. And typically, he doesn't like to call a whole lot of penalties. Like, you know, year in, year out, he's at the bottom of the cruise in terms of penalties called now. The one thing I will say about the Super Bowl is it's an all-star crew. So these are not the guys that he's working with every single week during the regular season. But I know him as a referee, he does not like to call a lot of penalties. He's gonna let the guys play. So it'll be interesting. I hope there aren't a whole lot of flags in this game, because I don't want a flag determining the outcome.
2: And last one for you, sacks. I've got the over four and a half sacks in the game. Are you over or undy uh undy. Are you over or under can or can't eat?
3: Yeah, I'm over on that. Over okay. four and a half total sacks, yeah, yeah, I'm over on
2: that. Let's yeah. go to Danny really quick in Jersey. He's got a Super Bowl MVP prediction. Danny, what is it?
3: Hey,
0: Anita, I, uh, speaking of which, I was at the Big M. Oh, my God, there's more New York people over here than there is New Jersey. But like, my MVP prediction, predictions, I like I both tight ends, Travis Kelce mm-hmm. or George Kittle, like you. Just for a long shot, I took McCall Harden. And I also loved the over Patrick Mahomes to 37 yards.
2: Okay, fantastic. Woody.
0: What do you think? Is it nuts, the McColl Hardman one, or is it worth the long shot?
2: No, I, I, I don't think it's nuts. I just don't, I don't know, I don't know the volume he's gonna get. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the, I got you. I, you know, if, for, for me, for, for Harmon to win, it's gotta be like, you know, Kansas City down by three or four, and last play, and, um, I'm just visualizing this, right? And Mahomes, like, throws, like, a quick slant route to Harmon, and he just, and he, like, jukes everybody to like bring it into the t- and, and score and kansas city chiefs win because he's got this unbelievable like odell beckham jr type of like touchdown reception uh touchdown you know you know what I, like well
3: here's the thing i don't i don't think it's far-fetched for hardman to win super bowl mvp just because of the value not only as a receiver but a returner as well You know what I mean? Hardman can flip the field. I mean, you saw what he did in that Texans game, being able to help them mount that comeback by being able to get them the ball in plus territory off of a kickoff return. So him being a factor, like if he returns a kickoff or or a punt for a touchdown and then he has another huge return and then a big play in the passing game, I mean, you can probably see a case for Mecole Hardman winning Super Bowl MVP. But again, I just think the Kansas City Chiefs' path to being able to win the Super Bowl – Involves Pat Mahomes playing at a high level, and I think if that happens, more often than not the quarterback is going to get rewarded with Super Bowl MVP This
1: is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN We're supposed to be experts, so here are our NFL predictions
2: Anita Marks, Chris Canty We've got Kyrie and Nikki who are producing the show today. Guys, great job. Really appreciate it. Um and Charles, I see you. We've got about 3 minutes left in the show. I'll try to get to you if uh, if we have time after our predictions. So, uh Chris, I will uh, I will let you lead us off, my friend. Uh what is your prediction? What's your final score and why?
3: Okay, Anita, you know I'm on the Chiefs bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I got it 38-27. The Kansas City Chiefs offense lights up that 49ers defense. I know that that's been a a really good defense all year long, but there are still some games where that defense allows a whole lot of points. And so I just think based on the personnel that the Chiefs have offensively, it's too much firepower, and it eventually gets San Francisco offensively away from running the football. And if Jimmy Garoppolo has to be a volume passer, I think the 49ers offense is going to struggle. So that's why I love the Kansas City Chiefs again my score 38 27
2: okay uh that's fair i'm going the San Francisco 49ers um there's a few there's a few uh, first of all i'm going i'm going 49ers 28 Kansas City 24 right but i'm also going and, and again you could play the exact score on fanduel i'm going to share those odds with you in a minute uh, you could also go Kansas City 26 – I'm sorry, San Francisco 26, Kansas City 23, and also San Francisco 26, Kansas City 24. So those are the three ways that I'm betting this. I'm laying $5 to win over $1,000, uh, dollars 12 dollars to be exact. So Chris, with your prediction, Kansas City 38, San Francisco 27, I am right now putting $5 of my hard-earned money – down for you. And if that is the final score, sir, you win $1,000. 1000 bucks. Actually, $900, 900 and $995. Okay. Because I want my $500. I'll tell
3: you what. If I win that, we'll split it down the middle. Done. 50-50.
2: Done. Now, Kyrie and Nikki, who are producing the show on the opposite side of the, gra- the glass, Kyrie has Kansas City 34, San Francisco 28. Kyrie, same thing. I'm laying five dollars down for you, sir. You win. You win a thousand dollars. Let's go. Are you let's sharing go. now? I know you've got bambinos. None of us do, uh, so I, I know I don't know if you're going to be as as open to sharing that dough. <laughs> of course, come
3: on. Because man. I, easy I know, come, easy
2: go. I know you got to you got to take care of uh, the familia, uh, Nikki. You've got San Francisco You're on the you're on my side. Uh, let's hear it for the ladies. San Francisco, thirty five. Kansas City. T- wait have oh 28 so 28, Sam, yeah. san francisco 35 kansas city 28 same thing $5 wins a thousand let's do it i have no family so i will share my spoils with oh, you oh you guys are so so, th- so this is
3: girls versus boys on the show this huh this
2: is so this is so, how about this how about how about whoever wins treats we all go out we have a nice dinner some beautiful bottles of wine and yeah thank you and whoever wins treats
3: no i feel like whoever loses should treat right
2: no, whoever wins treats with the winnings, Chris.
3: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Whoever wins with the winnings.
2: Anyway. Okay, all right, okay. I see anyway. how y'all
3: want to do it. I don't like it, but all right.
2: Chris, this is our last uh New York Game Day show.
3: Our last New York Game Day you, show, you, Anita.
2: You get to get your Sunday life back. <laughs> I get to go back to uh nine AM. Gotcha. Um, I appreciate you, Boo. It's been a fantastic season. God bless you, and I just adore you. You're 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 so fun to work with. Thank you so much.
3: It's been an awesome season, Nikki, Kyrie. We appreciate you guys. New York Game Day. It's, it's It doesn't disappoint. It's no. always great to be a part of this show.
2: It doesn't.
1: This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN.